Thank you for tuning in to today's broadcast of the Fires of Revival podcast. I am your host, Colton Prater, and I pray today's episode will be a help and an encouragement to you. Please don't forget to rate, review, and share the podcast with others. And now for the episode. Well, I am excited about this episode. We've been continuing in our series, Legacies That Last. And last week we learned about Jim Elliott and his life and what we can glean from that here in 2021. And for this episode, we'll be doing continuing with that series, Legacies That Last. And today I'll be joined with my good friend Kevin Markham. And we'll be looking at the life of Leonard Ravenhill. Now, this name, I find with people that they either know all about Leonard Ravenhill or they know nothing about him. So whether you think you know everything about him or you have no idea who this name or who this person is, I still want to share some things with you all, both of us do, about his life and what we can learn from it. Now remember, we're not doing this to worship man. That's not the goal of this series. But it's to look at others who have continued in the faith, who, have, who are human beings just like me and you, and what we can learn from their life to help us today. I mean, Paul even alluded to it, as I said last episode in 1 Corinthians, about... You know, follow him as he follows Christ. And we need to make sure the person that we're looking at follows Christ. And I believe this life that we're looking at, Leonard Ravenhill, was a Christ-like man, a man who brought honor, he brought glory to God, and he lived his life for him. And he was just a very faithful Christian. And we're going to see some things we can glean from his life. But my friend Kevin Markham here has joined us. And I'll open up by asking him the first question about the life of Leonard Ravenhill. And that simply is, who was Leonard Ravenhill? Maybe just some biographical information about who he was, and so that sort of thing. So someone listening maybe doesn't know anything about him, they can know who this man is, or was rather. All right, sounds good, Colton. We'll jump right into it. Leonard Ravenhill, he was born in 1907, June 18, 1907 to be exact. Leonard Ravenhill, he was born in Leeds, England, in York, Yorkshire. At the age of 15, Leonard Ravenhill saw that his father had some sort of spirituality that he himself did not have. Ravenhill came under such great conviction and cried out to the Lord and believed on Christ as his personal Savior. Ravenhill future, he became educated at Cliff College in England. Mr. Ravenhill was a big student of church history and major interest in, in Christian revivals and church revivals. That's where he really got his burden for the church. Mr. Ravenhill, he would hold many meetings in England during the times of World War II, which, which would draw many large crowds which many would attend and profess, come to the profession of Jesus Christ. Mm. 1939, Mr. Ravenhill, he married a woman named Martha. The Ravenhills, the Ravenhills had a total of three kids, <coughs> two of which would serve as Christian ministers. In the 1950s, Mr. Leonard, uh, he moved from Great Britain to the United States, and a few years later he began to hold revivals across America. As he grew older, he ended up moving and settling down in Texas, which is where he would end up passing away on November 27, 1994. And right now he is buried in Garden Valley Cemetery in Garden Valley, Texas. And as I was studying through the life of Mr. Ravenhill, there's really not too much to study mm. online of Mr. Ravenhill's life. It's kind of, it's just kind of like the same article over and over again. But if you would ever want to study more in-depth or in detail about the life of Mr. Ravenhill, there's a book written by Matt Tomlinson. He's a really close family friend of Mr. Ravenhill. It's entitled, In Light of Eternity, The Life of Leonard Ravenhill. Mm -hmm. And what I've read and what I've, what I've understood of that book, it's really an in-depth detail and a really good book to read about the life of Mr. Ravenhill. All right, and thank you for that, Kevin. I know if you're listening and you're like me and you like to read, that's a, I haven't read it myself, but I hear it's a good book. And I believe it would be a great thing to add a resource to your library and a good book to read, a, a, bi a biography, rather, 
a good biography to read about this man's life, and I'm sure there's many things you could glean from it, because there's many things I've gleaned from his life, and he's made a great impact in my life as well. Now, Kevin, about Leonard Ravenhill, what did he do that set him apart? What was his thing that what was made him famous? What set him apart from the crowd? I really think that Leonard Ravenhill's life, that what set him apart the most, mm. you can find in three different aspects of his life. I believe, first of all, that you can see in his life what set him apart was his wonderful preaching. I read the other day somebody commented about his preaching. They had to say this. Leonard Ravenhill was an old-time preacher that warned of the wrath of God Hellfire, heaven, the need for repentance, confession of sin, living a life of holiness, though of course not sinlessness. And that we should all be compelled to be witnesses for Christ because of Jesus' imperative command given in the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 19-20. So Leonard Ravenhill, he he was a wonderful preacher. He was a wonderful expositor of God's Word. He didn't shy away from what needed to be said. And I believe that's what made him such a great preacher. He preached the Bible and the Bible only. Mm. And he said what God wanted him to say and allowed God to do the work that only God alone can do. And as I was studying the life and studying what set him apart, I came across one of his close friends, a man named A.W. Tozer, which is another wonderful author. He said mm-hmm. this about Mr. Ravenhill. He said, you cannot be neutral toward Ravenhill. You either loved him or you would hate him. His preaching was to the conscious. It stabbed you in the heart. It called for a verdict. He was too hot to handle. Leonard wasn't just giving out information. His preaching was powerful preaching to the conscious where the presence of God affected you when you heard him preach. Mm. So he, he, just, he brought such conviction, or the Lord brought such conviction through the preaching mm. of Mr. Ravenhill. And also another thing that set him apart, I believe, was his writings. He was an author. Now, I'm not sure exactly how many books Mr. Ravenhill wrote, mm. but I've come across at least 10 different printed copies and of those ten, I have sits personally, and I've read each and every one of them. And you can't read any of his books without falling under deep conviction mm. or deeply being greatly challenged. You know, if anybody is listening, you've never heard of Mr. Ravenhill, of Leonard Ravenhill, I would greatly encourage you, first of all, to get the book by him, Why Revival Terries. Mm. That's just such a wonderful book. Two more wonderful books I'd recommend by him. And... Every single book I've read by him, they've just been so wonderful. Mm. But if you want to start off reading Mr. Ravenhill, Wild Revival Terries, and two other books named America is Too Young to Die or Revival God's Way. Mm. And the last thing I believe that set Mr. Ravenhill apart, and what really I'd say is probably what helped him with all of his preaching, I kept reading articles about this man's life, and about every single article would say, that Mr. Ravenhill would spend about six hours a day in prayer. Wow. Some days up to eight or nine hours a day just in praying with God. And he had a burning passion to have that relationship with God. And we'll get to this here in a moment. One of the best quotes I believe that this man ever said was, no man is greater than his prayer life. Yeah, and that's so true there. Uh, when I think of the, Leonard, the, the life of Leonard Ravenhill, he was an intense man. <laughs> Everything he did, he was gung-ho with, prayed six to eight hours a day, if you've ever read one of the, any of his books, as Kevin said, you will be hit at the heart with every single word you're reading at the page. And every time I've read his books, I've been under such conviction listening to his sermons, same thing. And for instance, the book he said, uh, Why Revival Terry is the book he recommended there. I highly recommended it. I gave it away a few weeks ago on the podcast, actually through a giveaway. And it's actually the most, to me, the most impactful book I've ever read in my life outside of the scriptures. And really helped that book. God used that book in my life to help get me to living a life more serious for him and 
focusing more on the deeper things of the Christian life like I should have been focused on. And God used that book to impact and to shape my life. And it's a great book, and I believe you should check it out and get it. Why, uh, Why Revival Terry's and the other books he mentioned as well are also great. And his life was one that was set apart from the others. He was different from the crowd. There's a lot we can learn from that. Now, Kevin, do you mind sharing with us, what are some famous quotes, famous statements that Ravenhill made, whether preaching or through his books, some things that we can glean from, some statements he made? Definitely. Like I said, uh, this is, I would say this is probably one of his greatest quotes, so I'm going to give more of the quote now. Okay. But no man is greater than his prayer life. The pastor who is not praying is plain. The people who are not praying are strained. We have many organizers, but few agonizers. Many players and payers, few prayers. Many seniors, few cleaners. Lots of pastors, few wrestlers. Many fears, few tears. Much fashion, little passion. Many interferers, few intercessors. Many riders, but few fighters. Failing here, we fail everywhere. And I just, I, every time I read that, it, you know, it kind of just convicts mm. right at the heart. You know, we have all these many people. We have so much going on in our life, but we don't have enough prayers going up mm. to the Lord. Yeah, and building off that, another quote I saw. I don't know if this is one you have or not, Kevin, but I just want to share it. And uh, Ravenhill makes a statement. He said, building off a prayer, he said, A man may study because his brain is hungry for knowledge, even Bible knowledge. But he prays because his soul is hungry for God. And how true that is, just going back to prayer. And if you ever read any of his books or listen to his sermons, you find that prayer was something he talked about more than probably any other topic outside mm-hmm. of revival. And prayer was just a key emphasis of his ministry and how important it is. And, you know, no man is greater than his prayer life. Failing here, we fail everywhere, as he said. And then, you know, if you want to live your life for God, you're going to have to get in the prayer closet and, and live a life of prayer. And if you don't, you will fall short. You will mess up. And the falterings will get worse if you don't pray. Any other quotes you may have there, Kevin? I have another one. And I believe this is a question that we could honestly ask ourselves every single day. This quote is, Are the things you're living for worth Christ dying for? Mm. And, you know, that's just something that we should ask ourselves every day. Is everything that we're doing as we go throughout each single day, is that worth Christ mm. dying for and giving his life for? Man, that is so powerful. Some other quotes I'm seeing here as well. Uh, he makes a statement, The early church was married to poverty, prisons, and persecutions. Today the church is married to prosperity, personality, and popularity. Mm-hmm. And just how true that is today in our culture. And convicting that is, because when you see the typical church today, what he described back in the 1980s, in the 70s, in the 60s, and the 50s, are just as true, and if not more so today in 2021, and in the time and era that we live in. Uh, any other statements you may have there, Kevin? You can just share a couple with us. I have another one. It says, Preacher, keep your knees on the ground and your eyes toward heaven. Mm-hmm. And another one, Great eagles fly alone. Great lions hunt alone. Great souls walk alone, alone with God. Such loneliness is hard to endure and impossible to enjoy unless God accompanied. You know, we see, as we just keep talking about his prayer life over and over again, we we got this illustration that he's given us, great eagles fly alone, great lions hunt alone. You know, mm. in these alone times is when they pretty much do what they're meant to do. Yeah. And I believe that we must get alone with God in order to find out what it is mm. that we, he wants us to do. That's so true there. Another statement I'm reading by him is he says, this is one we hear all the time. Most people don't realize he's the one who said it. He said, entertainment is the devil's substitute for joy. Mm-hmm. And how, if you look at today's culture, we're an entertainment-driven society. We're pleasure-driven, just like the book of Ecclesiastes. You know, everything under the sun, we're trying it and wanting to do it. And 
the devil is using that for a purpose and a reason, trying to substitute it for joy, so giving us entertainment instead of true joy that is found in Jesus Christ. And, and prophetically, he made that statement, as I said, he lived his life back in the 70s, 80s, 60s, 50s, and so forth, and 40s. But these things he said are just as true now, if not more so, than they were the 40, 50 years ago when he made these statements. Do you have any other statements for us, Kevin? Uh, I, have, I have one right here. It says, the only reason we do not have revival is because we are willing to live without it. And, you know, that's so deep and so convicting just to think about. The only reason we do not have revival is because we are willing to live without it. And whenever I think about that, I believe I've heard a preacher say once before, we always want the product of revival, but we don't want the price of revival. Mm. You know, we don't want those long hours, those sleepless nights mm. of praying and crying aloud to God. But we, we want to see the revival, but we're not willing to put in the work for it. Yeah. And I think that's just so convicting to us. You know, you, Mr. Ravenhill, he was a student of Christian revivals, church revivals, mm. of just the church itself. You know, he that was one of his greatest passions was the church. Mm. He had a wonderful heart for souls, but his great burden was to see churches return back to how the biblical church was founded in the Book of Acts. Mm. And you study revivals. If you read books about revivals, it all goes back to beginning with prayer and the people getting their hearts right with God. Exactly, and I believe that, that simply is what revival is. If you want to have revival, you've got to get back to what Kevin just said, that what Leonard Ravenhill has said in the past. And we have to get back to that simple recipe of prayer, humility, asking the Lord to work, you know, getting alone with Him, and sacrificing our time for God and doing that. Another statement he said, and this is, I believe, I'll end on this one. It's a very important one. He said, My goal is God Himself, not joy, not peace, not even blessing, but Himself, my God. And that should be the goal of us as Christians today. It's not, you know, we, obviously we should see souls saved, you know, prayers answered. Those are good things to, you know, be seeking for. But that's not our goal in life. Our goal is, in life isn't to win souls, although that's a part of things that we do. It's not to pray to God or read our Bible, although those are things we should be doing according to Scripture. Mm. Our goal is God himself. Our goal is him. And in seeking after God, we'll find that the, prayer, the praying comes, the soul winning comes, the Bible reading, living our lives for God. But it all happens when our goal simply is God, and, and how prophetic, how true that is that mm -hmm. he said that. And I believe there's, there's many other statements we could share with Ravenhill that he said that are so convicting, so powerful, and I'd encourage you, you know, get your computer out or your phone out one day and just Google quotes by Leonard Ravenhill, and you'll just be shocked at the quotes that, that he said, the statements he made in his preaching and in his books, and how convicting and to the point and convicting and stabbing to the heart that each and every one of them are. Those are just some things here. Now we'll move on here to our next question, Kevin. So as I, I said this last time, every guest I bring on, we're, we're talking about the life of a famous Christian and what we can learn from them. But each guest that I have on that shares this life, I let, I'm letting them choose the Christian. I'm letting them choose the person we're looking at. So Kevin, let me ask you, why did you choose Leonard Ravenhill? What is his impact on your life? Right before I get to that, I want to give one more quote, All right, if go that's for it. totally fine with you. And this one, I think it was good we saved it for mm -hmm. last. This is the one that's really spoke to me the most. He said, most men pray to be blessed. Few men pray to be broken. Mm. And all that is so true. Pastor Setston down here, he always talks about God can't use a man unless he's broken. Until yeah. he's broken, you can't be used. And so many times in our prayer life, we're praying, asking God to work out the situations, to fix everything. But when was the last time we prayed for God to break us so that he could make us better? Mm. And that is, that's, that's yeah. always so wow. wonderful to think that's about. Powerful. 
You know, when was the last time we prayed to be broken? So to get back to your question, why did I choose Leonard Ravenhill? Well, Colton, whenever you asked me, first of all, to do this episode, I started thinking. I knew I didn't know immediately who I was going to do, but I started mm-hmm. thinking, who was it that could have had the that has had the biggest impact on me? And I'm going to tell you a little bit of the story. I was first introduced to the man Leonard Ravenhill. I, I just surrendered to the call to preach. I was traveling with an evangelist, and he told me the very first book I need to read was "Wild Revival Terries" mm-hmm. by Leonard Ravenhill. I feel like we just keep coming back to this yeah. book because it's so good, but. He said, that needs to be one of the first books you read after you surrender to call to preach. And for anybody that has not read it, I'm telling you, you need to read that yeah, book. I so I'm, I remember I was sitting in the back of his car, I looked it up, and I ended up getting the book, and it was the very first book I've read ever since I surrendered to the call to preach. I've probably read that book five or six times now in the last two years, and I get so much out of it mm. every single time. And through that man referencing or suggesting to me Leonard Ravenhill, I started reading after Leonard Ravenhill, uh, I have several books by him, and every single book I've read several times, and I get so much from it. And it's really helped me and really convicted me with my Christian life and my walk with God and my prayer life. Mm. And just listening to him preach, I, you, you can't listen to him preach without being soul-stirred. Yeah. And I, he's always challenged, convicted, and encouraged me through his preaching, even though I never knew the man. He, he passed before I was even alive. But... Mm. That's one of the main reasons why I believe Leonard Ravenhill has had the greatest impact on my life. And, and I agree with that wholeheartedly. Uh, as he said, the book he referenced, the one we keep referencing and going back to, and just how true that, that, that is. I, and I'll be honest, outside of Scripture, that is the most impactful book I've ever read in my life. Mm-hmm. And if I were to recommend you know, one book to any person, if I were to meet a new Christian or something and give them one book to read outside of the Bible, say, this is the only book you're going to be able to read for the rest of your life. I would hand him a copy of that book 10 times out of 10. And, and I, I mean this for anyone listening today. If you are looking for a book to read and you want something to read and you're wanting to grow in your Christian life and your Christian walk, get the book, Why Revival Tarries. And that book will shape your life. It'll, it'll rock your world. I remember reading it. I, I literally got three pages in and had so many things marked up, some state statements that were just powerful. And I had to put the book down, actually. I put it down and said, I'm not reading this book. I can't take it anymore. And then I picked it up the next day. I only I had to read it in two or three page increments because it was so convicting and so powerful. I couldn't sit and read the whole thing through. And if you know me, you know I love to read and I could sit and read for hours at a time. But that book was that convicting and that challenging in my life that I literally had to read a few pages, put it down, and pick it up again later because there was so much in it. It felt like I was just getting cut with a knife at every word I was reading. And I mean this. If anyone listening today is looking for a book to read, that is the book to get. And if anyone's listening as well, and your life was impacted by that book, reach out. I, I'm just curious. I would like to know whose life has been impacted through the life and ministry of Leonard Ravenhill through that book, Why Revival Tears. Because I've talked to several Christians who the reasons they, one of the reasons they are where they are today is because of that book. And I'm just curious. I'd like to know maybe if, if, if you feel comfortable reaching out, letting me know. And I'll drop my email address in the, the comment section or in the, the bottom part of the podcast in the description of the episode. And I'll put that there for you to reach out. If you know me, let me know. Shoot me a text. And I would love to find out who else's lives were impacted as a result of that book. And then lastly, Kevin, a question we've kind of, I think we've hit around this here a little bit. But what can we learn from his life here in 2021? What can we walk away with and help us today in this day and age we live in from his life? Well, I think the greatest thing that you can learn through the life of Leonard Ravenhill by reading after him mm-hmm by studying his life and just trying to figure out who this man was, is prayer, is your prayer life. Mm. 
You know, we, we've mentioned it several times. No man is greater mm. than his prayer life. You know, the Lord desires that relationship with us. He wants that mm. father-son relationship. He wants us to commune with him. He mm. wants us to bring our problems yeah. to him. And he was, such, he was so big on church revivals and on the church, but it was all founded mm. and it was all rooted and grounded yeah. through prayer. And you could find that through any time that you just looked at Mr. Ravenhill's life. So much time, as I said, six to eight hours a day just in prayer with God. Mm. And I think that's the biggest scene that you can learn and the greatest scene that you can take away from this man's life is prayer. Yeah, and I agree with that, and it's exactly true, is the, the issue of prayer, the topic of prayer, and how important it is. And I'm trying to find a verse here in the book of James, uh, chapter 5, a verse, and we'll, we'll end with this verse here. But James chapter 5, verse 16 says, Confess your faults one to another, and pray for one another that you may be, that you may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And I believe that, that verse, especially the last half, the last phrase there, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. I believe that encapsulates the life of Leonard Evan. When you think of him, when I think of him, I think of that verse. And he is the embodiment of it. And the thing is, we talk about him as if, and I'm guilty of this, and I'm sure you listening today are as well, of talking about him as if no one can ever pray like this again, no one can ever live the Christian life like this again. But the thing is, we all have that potential. Mm-hmm. We all could have the prayer life of this man. We all could take Christianity as seriously, if not more serious than he did. And each of us can. And the Bible says, The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. If we want a prayer life that avails much, there's going to have to be some fervent prayer, some intense times of prayer. It may not be, you know, uh, genie rub on the bottle, answer my request, amen, there we go, kind of prayer. It may be laboring on your face for a couple hours, asking the God of heaven to work on your behalf or to work on someone's behalf. It may mean fasting and not eating for a week while you're praying because you're so seriously intent on having this prayer answered in your life and just having that seriousness. So I believe, echoing what Kevin said, the greatest thing we can learn from him here in 2021 is to be better prayer warriors, to be better Christians, mm-hmm. better people of prayer because that's, a, that's what God wants. You know, I hear it said often through other preachers and things, but they make this statement talking about prayer. You know, prayer goes where we can't. You know, I can try to do things and eventually my finite strength is going to run out. But prayer can go where I can't. Because the God of all universe, the one who created me, answers prayer. And he can do what I can. He can do much more than I can ever think or ask or or try to do on my own. And the same thing for Kevin and same thing for Mr. Ravenhill and others. And we must, must, must be people and Christians of prayer. So before we close, Kevin, do you have any closing remarks, anything you'd like to finish out with, or do you just want to leave it at this? I, I want to thank you for – I think it's important that we look back on great men of God of the past because there's so much that we can learn mm-hmm. from these men. You know, we may read a biography here or there of one or two people, but there's so many preachers and so many great prayer warriors, evangelists, missionaries that we mm-hmm. can really just look back and study their life and learn so much about. And I think this is a wonderful mm-hmm. thing that you're doing here on the podcast, looking back to these great men of God. Yeah, thank you for that, Kevin. It was a privilege to have you on. I've been looking forward to this and excited about it. So thank you so much for coming on. He's a genuine friend and a dear friend of mine. And uh, before we close out, uh, do you mind closing this out for us in a word of prayer, Kevin? I will. Dear Heavenly Father, dear Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you, Lord, for Colt and for the friendship that we have. I thank you, Lord, for this podcast, Father. I pray, Lord, that you be with all these people that are listening, Father. I pray, Lord, that you just you convict them of their prayer life. Father, our prayer life can always improve. There's always room for improvement. I I thank you, Lord, for this man of God. 
Leonard Ravenhill. I thank you for his wonderful impact on millions of people that was influenced by him, Father. And all the millions of people are still being influenced through his books. And I thank you, Lord, for that. In your name I pray, amen.